listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, we uh, are in a sermon series uh, through First and Second Samuel called Prophets, Kings, and Heroes. Uh, today we'll be looking at uh, portions of 1 Samuel 16 through 17 here. Uh, and so if, if you want to look that up in your Bible, as always, it's printed in the order of worship. If we've learned anything in this series so far, and I hope you've seen this, we've learned that you can't put anybody on a pedestal as your hero or your leader or savior above Jesus Christ because they will always disappoint you. We expect that for the most part from corrupt people, but today we're gonna to look at the rise of a new king, David, that God actually calls a man after his own heart. So should our expectations be different for someone like David than the problems that we've been seeing with Saul? And what does that mean for us when we think about leaders that are made after God's own heart. Well, the next few sermon series, we're going to talk about that question. So let's start with our passage for the day. Uh, we're going to look at various verses from 1 Samuel 16 through 17. Uh, for practicality, we will read the first couple of paragraphs here. So it says here, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? If you remember, Samuel's the prophet, Saul is the current king. Since I have rejected him from being king over the Israel, go and fill your horn with oil. No, so fill your horn. Sorry, fill your horn with oil and go. And I will send you Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, "How can I go? If Saul hears about this, he's going to kill me." But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look at the appearance." or on the height of the stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, and man looks at the outward appearance, for the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse, uh, and called Abinadab, Abinadab, made him pass before Samuel, and said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made Shema pass, and he said, No, the Lord neither chosen this one. So we have all these sons of Jesse coming through. Jesse made seven of his sons pass through Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's just keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we're not going to sit down until he comes here. And he sent him and he brought him. And he was ruddy had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. This Lord of the Lord, thanks be to God. Only God, help us uh, to understand what you are showing us through this story. Help us to recognize that this is your story. And we're just all a part of it. So how do we relate to that? How do we 
live our lives where we don't become the hero of our own story, but make Jesus the hero. Help us with that today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the thing. Uh, the Bible uses human examples all the time in Scripture to help us on our own journeys as followers of Jesus in different ways, really in two different ways. First of all, uh, we see this sometimes in the Bible that, he, um, that the Bible uses past example of men and women who trust in the Lord despite extreme hardships and even in the face of difficulties, things that we face too. And we have strong reasons to trust the Lord because we see those examples. Second, the Bible points out examples of unbelief, people doing things wrong that lead us down or lead them down to a certain path that if they don't turn back and if we don't turn back uh, in, in some way in a life of wrongdoing, it's going to be the opposite of God's plans from us. We learn different things from different places. But also, here's the thing, and this is where I think the majority of Christianity gets stories like what we're going to look at with David and Goliath today wrong. Here's what I'm saying. Many times they're misunderstood and they're misused. Namely, a story like David and Goliath that we're going to look at uh, in some way. One of the questions would be, is David's battle with Goliath an example that we're meant to follow? Or is there something else that we're to look at? See, the danger of taking stories like this is often we put ourselves in the role of David or whomever and come away thinking that the Christian life is simply about us just being brave and bold and faithful in difficult times. But a more accurate way, and you got to think about this, a more accurate way of reading the Bible and reading stories like this, we have to always remember this, is to ask, where is the good news that God is the one who saves sinners like us who are unable to save ourselves? You see the difference? Well, we're going to talk about that. And it's especially in the case of David, because you're going to be tempted to think, God just showed me some moral lesson about who David is, and I just need to be a David in my life. This is the opposite of what we're talking about today. So what can we learn from the story today with Saul, David, David, and Goliath, uh, making it more about God instead of making it about ourselves? So let's look at three points. Those three points are in the order of wor uh, worship like they always are. We're going to talk about the unexpected leader. We're going to talk about God's departure from Saul. And then we're going to talk about the victory from God. So we just read this passage uh, that we talked about. And we, we talked about this last week where, where God had talking about Saul, in talking about Saul, God had said, I'm, I'm rejecting you. And, and, and we saw the mistakes he made last week. So up until this point, Samuel, the prophet, has been strong and steady. And now he's faced with another crisis. See, all our decisions in life, you've got to think about it this way, all our decisions in life are somewhere between when we get to the point where there's fear that we have that comes from our hearts and situations around us and having faith in God. Let me say it this way. One more time. All the decisions in our life that you and I make are somewhere between faith and fear. It's so easy to, to uh, think about the past to say, what didn't work. That's where Samuel was. He was thinking about what didn't work in the past. Like he's, he, he had his hopes up with Saul and it all was just dashed. And he, he was, last week he was crying and mad about it. Uh, and then now 
uh, he's thinking all these what ifs in the future, namely that uh, Saul hears about what he's doing behind his back. He's going to kill him. Again, faith over fear. The prophet is feeling that tension right now. But sometimes God calls us to miss those feelings and reset our expectations. So here's what happened. There's a resetting of expectations going on right now with Samuel. When he's being told, Saul's not my king anymore. Now you're going to be going after David. And he's calling him to die to the old dreams that he had. Saul, and look for hope in the future. So let's think about this. God's new king presented to Samuel. Think about David. You've already seen it. Here, here Jesse brings in all his sons. Starting with the oldest, which makes sense. Because he hears that Samuel's going to come in and one of his sons are going to be anointed. It goes all the way down the list. They're getting smaller. They're getting younger. They're getting weaker. Until he finally says, where's your, where's your other? Is there another son? Like God's not anointing or calling any of these sons to be king. You're like, yeah, our youngest one, but he's tending sheep right now. And so when, David, when Samuel is presented with this, he's seen a couple of similarities. And think about the similarities that we've talked about before. David and Saul look a lot alike. They're both handsome. Uh, but Samuel's more ruddy in complexion, which means he's still got that youthful look about him. Uh, kind of a, a, a younger, boyish guy. Um, Saul is a grown man, striking. Uh, but some differences. Saul is a proven warrior. Uh, we've looked at that already. He, he's been beating the Philistines left and right. He stands head and shoulders above everybody else. He's like a, you know, a, like a, a, a giant MMA fighter. That's what he looks like. David is so young. He looks timid in appearance. He's a shepherd. He's not a warrior. He's a musician. He's not a fighter. What's going on here? He just looks weak compared to Saul. Samuel is probably thinking, God, is this the best you've got? This is the next king you wanted me to get excited about? And God says, you got to trust me on this one. Now, uh, in some way, this first point here, we all, like Samuel, have to, we have to choose faith over fear. Stepping out in faith, sometimes in unexpected times and unexpected ways, we wait on God like we talked about last week. But at some point, in that waiting, we feel God's tongue. The opposite of what we think sometimes. So what do we do with that? Same thing Samuel did. It didn't make sense to him. He had to reset his expectation. But all God asked Samuel to do is just take the step at a time, be obedient, faithful to what he asked him to do, watch and see God take the initiative and not try to control the situation. Which leads us to point two, God's departure from Saul. So we just had this passage where it said the Spirit rushed upon David. Let's see what's happening with Saul's situation now. It says this, the Spirit of the Lord, verse 14 there, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servants came to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. And the Lord's now let our Lord now command your servant to go before and seek out a man who is skillful at playing the lyre, which is basically a harp. And then when the harmful spirit is upon you, he will play and you'll will well. So Saul said to the servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the men answered, Behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, Bethlehemite, and skillful at playing, man of valor. 
man of war, a prudent speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent the messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took the sheep, laden with bread and skin of wine, and the young goat, and sent them to David to Saul. And Saul and, and David comes in or came to Saul, entered into his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and became he became his armor bearer. So here's the thing. David doesn't immediately become king. We see the Spirit of God, though, rush up onto David, the Holy Spirit, and departing from Saul. In the Bible, if you think about it, there's two ways that the Holy Spirit is uh, depicted. One is a gentle dove, and one is flames of fire. And they look like they're diametrically opposed at the time, but the Holy Spirit is, as a dove, is not going to stay around when, being, when someone is rejecting God, but rushing in when we're embracing the, the ways of God. This situation with Saul is a result, and we've seen this, of him, his doing it himself, experiencing misery. He's miserable now. One of the inserts said, there must be an evil spirit upon you or something. Like, you just, you're in misery. The departure from the Holy Spirit versus David being obedient to God and enjoying the fruit of the Spirit, and that is joy and love and peace etc. and able to just wait. He's already been anointed king, but he's just waiting. The way that God brought David into Saul's life is fascinating when you think about it. Saul doesn't even know he was anointed king in the backwoods somewhere. And Samuel and David are not exactly volunteering the information at this point. They're being wise. Now David is called, you notice that called into the court by Saul himself, invited as a musician. And it will be a love-hate relationship that we're going to see from here on out with David and Saul in unexpected ways. It's going to get crazy in this story, their relationship. Wait till you see in the next parts of the story that are going to come up in the next few weeks. It's going to blow your mind. God's ways are always mysterious. But let's look at the last point, because this is really where it's all coming down to. The victory from God. So we're talking about this idea of the unexpected leader, David. We're talking about the idea of God's departure from Saul. But now, let's look at the victory from God. Verse 41 says, And the Philistine Goliath moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked down and saw David, he had disdain from them. Now let me back up just a little bit. What's happening here is, uh, Goliath has walked out. Uh, he's part of the Philistines. Uh, someone needs to fight David. I mean, uh, Goliath. And David is the person that he said he's going to do it. So let's see what happens. And then the Philistines said to David, I am a dog that you come at me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by the gods. And David said to the Philistines, you come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come at you with the name of the Lord of the hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 48 says, When the Philistines arose and came, he drew near to David. David quickly ran to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung him. And he struck the Philistine on his head. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling, and a stone, 
and struck the Philistine and killed him. So you gotta you gotta imagine this, right? This is one of those scriptures that God's in his word is calling us to use our imagination. So the Philistines are on one side. The Israelites are on the opposite side, and they have this valley in between them, and a giant of a man steps out from the Philistine line into his battle line, and his name is Goliath. I mean, think about like Andre the Giant or Shaquille O'Neal, but bigger. This is what we're talking about here. Uh, in the other passages here, he says he was armed to the teeth. He had all his metal and his weapons. Uh, his, his, he had his bronze sword that he wore, I mean, a bronze helmet that he wore on his head. He was dressed in 160, 126 pounds of armor. 160, 26 pounds. That's, that's more weight of Larissa in armor. Um, he wore bronze uh, shin guards. He carried a bronze sword. He had this tall spear. The spear head itself was 15 pounds. And Goliath comes out between the armies, and he just stands there. And he calls out to the Israelite troops, why bother using your whole army? Pick your best fighter and put him against me. If he kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. But if I kill him, then y'all will become our slaves. That's my challenge. That's what he said. Find me a man that's man enough, and let's fight it out. So when Saul and his troops hear this Philistine's challenge, they're, they're terrified. They lost all hope. The courage just went out from the whole army. And to make matters worse, every morning and every evening for 40 days, this guy walks out and he just stands there making a speech, taunting God's people, making fun of God, laughing and cursing at Israel's army, calls them cowards. He's just mocking God. This is what we call psychological warfare. And he's doing a good job of it. And it worked. The Israelites, to a man, every time they saw him, their knees buckled and they fell back. And they said, have you ever seen a man in the history of the world that openly and just defiantly is just challenging our whole army? There's nobody brave enough to do it. You think about it. We're in trouble. Enter David. David shows up from tending his sheep. He's already anointed king, but he's just taking food for his brothers that are enlisted in the army. David's even too young to be in the army. And David said when he got there, what is the deal? If God's on our side, why are we afraid? And then he said, I will fight him. See, the story of David and Goliath, one of the most familiar in the Bible. David is by far the underdog. He's still a young man. They couldn't even find armor to fit him. It, the weapons and the army, I mean, and the armor that they tried to fit him with were way too heavy. It was just like a comedy act at this point when he came out. So he goes with a weapon that he knows. Strip down, I'll just take what I do. And it's basically just a slingshot. And then he takes that slingshot and he runs toward Goliath. And Goliath thinks it's a joke. And he puts a stone in the sling and he takes it and throws it and hits Goliath right between the eye. And immediately this giant of a man falls to the ground, face first, in the dirt. The mighty has fallen, nobody's laughing anymore. Then David runs up to the Philistines and he stands over him. He pulls out the giant sword, which you know he could probably bury and pick up, and he finished the job of cutting his head off. When the Philistines saw this, that their great champion was dead, 
they scattered and they ran. See, but here's the thing, what we talked about all day today, before you think, yeah, this is a lesson about being strong enough and brave enough to fight our own battles. Think again. Where does David's confidence come from? From God. See, sometimes God brings victory and help from unexpected people like David and like you and like me around us. No matter how unqualified you feel, God can and he will use you. We all admire the showy gifts. That's easy. But I'm telling you today, if you feel unqualified, you're probably one of the most qualified to be used by God. See, David's most admirable quality was not his valor or his courage, but his humility. His confidence in the gifts that God gave him. And he was willing to use them for the glory of God, unlike Saul, not his own glory. So how do we respond uh, to a, a, a story like this in the Bible today? Here's what we're tempted to be. It's this thing. Okay, I got it. Be bold, overcome the obstacles in our life, be courageous, and slay our own personal goliaths. The Bible is saying, no, 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 don't think that way. It's not about David and it's being a David. It's about something else. David is an example for us, but not in the way you think. David is an example because his battle with Goliath teaches us to trust that no matter what difficulties we co that confront us in life, the battle is the Lord's. He will save us. Only He can save us. We cannot save ourselves. At some point in our lives, at some point in all our lives, we must learn and we have to learn. We must realize that, understand that the story is not about us. But the beauty of it is the story definitely does include us. No matter how much you feel in control of your life right now, or how much in, how insignificant you may feel right now. Whether you feel like you're in control or you feel insignificant right now. You have value. Not because of who you are, but value in a larger story where you and I are not our own savior and not our own ruler. And we must know that that's the only way to have a real meaning and purpose and value in the life. And when we submit finally to the overall story of the redemption of God sent from Jesus Christ, and the Savior and the King that doesn't call us to be our own hero, but in his life and death, he paid it all. He laid down so we don't have to struggle to be everything that we and others need us to be and want us to be. We need a hero. Make no mistake. But it's not us. We make bad heroes. Or the others around us. They make bad heroes. It's Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for the way you have time and time again delivered your people, not just from great battles, but for the battle of our souls. Um, help us today to fight against the urge to think that we're in control, fight against the urge to try to take control of situations without consulting you. Lord, help us uh, remove ourselves out of the center of the story, but to find ourselves in a better story that's not just about us, but it's about what your son did on the cross. This in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.